time for another lo-fi top five. Jeremy, how are you now? It's that time. It's a happy time. <laughs> it is indeed. Nothing like a good Thursday. It doesn't matter what's going on on a Thursday, because right around whenever this uh, recording starts, or I guess technically 10 minutes after we cut out all the, the back and forth, <laughs> then it's just a really good part of the day. Uh, it is. It is. It's something I look forward to. And funny enough, this week, when we had talked about it, which uh, we were doing the top five one-word title episodes, when you had first introduced this to me, I was like, this is going to be kind of harder, probably. And it was hard, but like not how I thought at all. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm looking at the screen of, I think my last time counting before I got tired of counting, it was 47 viable titles like there's no xanadu in this list buddy these are like <laughs> legit movies like so it's so much so that i started making these like alternate lists like if jt wants to say well okay but really what was like the the, the best of the best because that's actually its whole other list in a way like I, I we could go long i didn't realize i didn't know should have sent a poet that's all i'm saying <laughs> yeah this one uh so i think we're on the same page Basically, I went through and I was like, all right, this is going to be hard to name a bunch of movies with one words. And then I did. And then I did more. And then I did more. And then there was more. And I was like, oh, my God, there's a lot of really good movies with one word. And it wound up, uh, I wound up in a place, Jeremy, uh, where I had to make a decision. And I just removed an entire genre of film from my list because I didn't want it to infiltrate my top five. And I knew for a fact it would. Was that uh, sci-fi horror dramedies? It was It was exactly not that, actually. It was exactly mm, not that. Mm. No, I actually, so I made a decision, uh, which will be no surprise to any of our listeners, uh, to remove animated films because, as it turns out, I hold them in very high regard. Also, as it turns out, Disney and Pixar, big fans of one-word titles. So I didn't want it to not pollute the list, but it would have played a very dramatic role in the list and I didn't want it to. So I have decided to just kick them to the curb entirely. Well, th that's very understandable. First of all, I, I had one in Pong. I decided to take it out. Uh, I did have, cause now I think I'm just going to try to do this as often as I possibly can in the, what do I think JT's going to pick list? Uh, I will say I had, uh, I had a certain tomato based uh, French <laughs> classic dish with rats. Yes. So what's funny is Ratatouille, there's a couple, and we might do a list at some point, so I won't go too far into it, but I have a whole, I basically wound up with a shtick of like, I have to pick between three of these movies and I can only pick one, and I didn't want to. And so I just removed the problem entirely and I made it go away. Uh, but what I hope didn't go away this week, Jeremy, is a spreadsheet. Do you have a spreadsheet? I don't. Really? Yeah, sorry, JT. I was trying and hemming and hawing, and it just sort of came down to fundamentally the only thing that makes this list different is the title, right? So the new numbers and titles, I you know, I had a little shtick with the number being relevant to the movie and stuff like that, but this time around, it was just sort of nah, couldn't couldn't quite get there. I had toyed with ideas like how much does the t does that word really reflect the story of the movie, or you know, like. Like Ratatouille being an interesting example where, in truth, it has nothing, it's one tiny part of the overall. It's a pun and it's brilliant and everything about it's great. But nah, I, I kind of, I, I gave myself a week off the old, the old Apple numbers. Well, I, I'm sure that our fans are devastated, but I think it's okay. Uh, and that actually makes sense. I was actually trying to think, okay, can I guess what categories you would use? And I couldn't get past the, standards. It's like, all right, we're watchability, cast, overall film, but there isn't a unifying factor here other than the fact that the title is one word, which doesn't mean anything. Because as we, I think, both probably found out, it could be one name or it could be a place or it could be something absolutely that has nothing to do with anything. And these movies, like my top five is wildly inconsistent as far as like the kind of films they are. So uh, one thing that is usually consistent, though, is we have a Shawshank. So uh, Shawshank being the most rewatchable movie, uh, is there a movie that you think is a one-word title category definer, friend? Well, 
So let, let me take another step back here, JT, because I do have an answer, but it needs a little. I decided that, and I, and I, I wasn't 100% sure because I didn't have the entire list in front of me when I was doing this, but I decided that I was going to do my best to pick absolutely new titles for, for today's episode. I just wanted to not hit a lot of the same because, again, as we both realized all week long, a lot of great movies. I, I, I was actually looking at the AFI list. I think there was like 13 movies, like, you know, a whopping 13% of the best movies have one word. So I made a distinct effort except for my Shawshank pick. Okay. So you do have one. I do. And I also decided to make my Shawshank exceptionally personal because I realized this is not, you know, to be, to be, to be, to be fair. To be fair. To be fair, <laughs> I don't look at my list this week as like a canonical, these are the top five best one-word movies of all time. These are five of my picks for my favorite one-word titles. So my Shawshank reflects that. Got it. Okay. Uh, I also have a Shawshank that uh, is not along the lines of anything you just said. Um, <laughs> because I, I did it unintentionally, but sort of with you know, a mind towards keeping new things on the list. Actually, now that I look at it, um, I haven't talked about, I think, any of these movies in a top five ever. So they're all brand new to me um, in the sense of they've ever been on the podcast. I think one or two of them have definitely come up probably in Pong. Uh, but my Shawshank is basically just because the vein that I took with all of my picks with one exception was leaning actually more towards, I thought, the best movies is really kind of how I did it this week. So we, we went the opposite direction. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Well, this is definitely going to destroy the list I prepared for you. Perfect. For sure. That's what I want. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm like one for 20 on my guessing so far. Yeah, that's, I think, why I like it so much. But let's do, do you have five words for your Shawshank? I do, but I just checked my notes, JT, and guess what? You're first this week, buddy. Hey, I don't keep track of that stuff ever, so I'm glad you're here. Uh, all right, so January of 1943, my Shawshank has a 100% on Metacritic, which is why it's the Shawshank. And the five words I'll give you are, we'll always have Paris. So this would be, uh, I have, I have uh, of all the cities. Sure. Yeah, but it's not my Shawshank. It was just in my top five. Uh, I am happy to Shawshank it and leave it over there and 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 just on the fly pulling some pulling the next pick. I'm ready to go that way today, buddy. I mean, I will leave it up to you. This one uh, again because of the way that I approached it this week. I was trying to pick what I thought were genuinely the best movies, with one exception. And uh, this one is widely considered probably the best movie of all time, potentially. So it just felt like it fit the mold. Uh, and it's up to you if you want to wing it, wing it. If not, you can also just roll directly in and you can use this as your one. No, uh, I'll, I'll do a mild, a, a teensy bit of a Shawshank uh, violation of principle and just say, I just rewatched Casablanca this past week. Uh, I think it's deserving of a lot of conversation. Having not seen it in 30 odd years, again, it's on that list. Um, I was just blown away. Uh, honestly, I, I rewatch a lot of older movies. They don't all hold up. In fact, most just don't work in modern pacing. This one absolutely does. If this were made today, it would be just as epic. And the realization we talk, you and I are both like big movie quoters. And when we talk about movie quotes, we often go to like the Caddyshacks and, and, and Happy Gilmore's and all this, you know, our kind of world. Realizing I got upon research, six quotes from this movie are in the AFI's most famous movie quotes of all time. And some of them are like straight up vernacular, like round up the usual suspects. Here's looking at you, kid. Amazing. Yeah. So I will accept the, the, the Shawshank wholeheartedly, and it thrills me to do such a thing. All right. That means that uh, you have to give me your five words. Let's see if I can guess. So my movie is from 1985, a Metacritic score of 68. Do you actually need five words, or are you good with just that? I mean, 1985 makes me think that it's, did it come out on my birthday by any chance? It did not. Ooh. But the, uh, the the clue I'd give you would be first, last, and middle name. 
which won't help you because I don't know. You, you, it's not your. It's one of my movies, buddy. So this is a oh Fletch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Sorry. Yeah, yeah I blacked yeah. out that Fletch was one word. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, okay, I am happy with you, Shawshanking Fletch. Fletch for me is sure. my if, if 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 you're like you get to put on one one word title on your desert island disc or whatever. It's Fletch. That's yeah. I mean, it should be Casablanca, but it's Fletch. <laughs> but it's Fletch. Hey, listen, uh, I Fletch. appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right, so that means I get to go first. Uh, so let's see. I'll, I'm going to give you a choice. Do you want me to get the one that is not really – I have one rule breaker. Should I get that out of the way, or do you want me to mix that in somewhere? Uh, I don't really have a strong feeling on the topic, buddy. I'm, I'm comfortable with you rolling as, as you would like to. Okay, so then I'm going to go with April 5th. 1996 with an 85 on Metacritic. April of 96. It's a good year with an 85 or 95? 85. Hmm. All right. I will take some words or I will take some cast, please. Sure. Let's do uh, Peter Stormare and John Carroll Lynch. Is this Fargo? This is Fargo. What's your five words? Five words would have been awfully cold today, eh? <laughs> mm, nice, nice, nice. Uh, so here's here's why. Uh, I really did want to take a look at like best movies this week because once I realized how deep the one word thing was, I needed an orienting factor. And so I was like, all right, let's put together all the ones that I like the most. And I wound up with a list of like, I think it was like 32 or something like that. And then I started plucking the ones where I was like, this is a personal favorite. It's not a good movie. This is a personal favorite. This is not a great movie. This is a personal favorite. This is not a good movie. So I called it down into like the 20 range. And then I started going, all right, universally, what, which of these movies is the best actual movies? And I, I came up with six and four of them made the top five. And Fargo was the very last one that I, that I stuck in. Um, I think this was like sort of a transformative film to a certain extent. Uh, because the Coen brothers have done lots of good stuff and they're very interesting and I like most of their work. They have a couple things that I don't like at all. But this one, Tom Hanks actually had a line that I'm going to steal, which was, it's just sort of the perfect film on every level. Like for what this is, the pacing, the agency of character, the, the depth of character, the amount of characters, the total arc, the comedy, the seriousness, the depth, like, I don't, it's just like, there's nothing that I think I could change here in this movie at all. Like literally nothing. Oh, I think this is a phenomenal pick. It, 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 it I had dabbled with it for a little while because again, it hadn't come up on on the cast, so I, I, I like it a lot. I like your referencing the characters having agency. I think as you're saying it, it's all like clicking in for my head because I've loved this movie since it came out. Yeah. But I don't think I ever really thought through how much like. It, it, it's the opposite of the of the non-agency movies. It's the opposite of just things just happen. In fact, the characters make everything happen. And so, yeah, well picked, JT. I like this one a lot. Yeah, that was the what you just said is is perfectly why it wound up needing to be in the list over some other ones that I think are also incredibly good because I couldn't and still now can't think of a single thing that wasn't a direct cause and effect of something that happened from a character. And, and yeah. considering how many characters and how weird this movie is, that's like pretty impressive. <laughs> like that's very impressive. And, and they also took a lot of time or, or somehow used their time well in developing the characters. Like you get a good sense of Margie, you know, like yeah. they, they, and all of them, even, even like Steve Buscemi is like the Weasley uh, yep. friend there in the, uh, in the old wood chipper there. Eh? Which was written for him, by the way. Also, Another thing I learned, this is the only Oscar nom William H. Macy's ever gotten. And for some reason, that didn't feel right to me. I was like, that can't be right. But I think it is. Well, I think this will be a bit ageist for us. Until this movie, William H. Macy was hands down a that guy. So, so this movie broke him out. And then he had things like The Cooler and started doing some series. Right. So, I, like... It's more the the retro. Like this is also around when uh, that movie Big Night came out. Yep, which was big for Stanley Tucci. Like there's there's all these actors like those guys 
that were basically that guys that are now the Stanley Tucci's, the William H. Macy's, yeah. et cetera. Fair enough. All right, friend. Good pick. Thank you. Good pick. You said 96? I sure did. I'll give you 96. Okay. Just wouldn't it be cool if one year, one week we had the same year for all five picks? That's like that's like a royal flush on the lo-fi top five or something. That, that would be a royal flush for sure. Oh, no, we, we'd have to actually have the same picks, right? Like that would be the royal, the royal flush would. I don't know why I'm making poker analogies. I, I don't either. I think it would just be a flush probably if we had the same years. It'd be a royal flush if we had the same picks. There you go. And it'd be a straight if. <laughs> this is not uh, happening. <laughs> we're done with this. 1996 Metacritic of 71. Okay. So, you know, about 15% less good than Fargo. Correct. I will give you, I, I'm pretty confident any cast members give the movie away, but I'll do what I can. And again, remember showing this is personal picks and all that. Heather Graham. Okay. Ron Livingston. All right. So I know both of them. I love Heather Graham. I really love Heather Graham. Um, it's 1996 and this is a one word title. Mm-hmm. I can't even place them in the same movie together. Okay, five words. These are some of my favorite five words. You like this is a you get it or you won't. Made currency, sorry, made currency hipster so cool. Made currency hipster so cool. Um singles? So close. You've got almost all the right letters actually. <laughs> It's like almost the same title. <laughs> Why can't I think? I can see like I can see the VHS box in my head right now, and for some reason I can't I can't put it together. Uh, the the five well the movie is Swingers. Swingers, right? Oh God, yeah, it is. All right, cool, yeah. cool, JT. So I get it. Made currency oh, no, so no. cool. I get it. I yeah. so honestly have this in Pong, and for some reason have this written down as ninety-seven, and I, I don't know why. So I had taken it off of what it could be. Maybe that was the year you bought it on VHS. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I swingers for me probably more than yeah, definitely more than all the rest. Swingers is probably that like ode to uh, immediately post college life. You know, it was one of those last movies I saw with my college buddies because of when it came out. Saw it in theaters. I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the theater, but it was this place in Pittsburgh that was super cool. Like they had couches. It was it was like Alamo Drafthouse before there was Alamo Drafthouse. Or it probably was an Alamo Drafthouse somewhere, but just like one of them. Right. <laughs> um, and this movie comes out. And I get, I've sort of del delved in this area before, like between this Clerks and Pulp Fiction, where you're effectively – real-time changing the landscape of, of cinema for an entire generation, right? Like the Gen Xers effectively grew up seeing movies like these in our 20s, fully adopting them. Like you couldn't find an, an average, you could not find an average white college student guy like that was not saying you're so money. Like right. everywhere. Yep. Right? Everybody was doubling down. Every, you know... The, the whole thing and the movie's so quotable and so much fun. I was actually glad to see it at the 71 on, on the Metacritic because I would have assumed in retrospect, it would have done poorly actually. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, listen, this is a great pick. Uh, you're a bear with these claws. I get it. Like this is just a great, everything about this movie is great. It was one of the, uh, it was kind of a fringe, not going to make my top five, but clearly needs to be mentioned. Um, Ron Livingston is so funny. I can never get past him. Like he is, is like, he's one of two people and swingers is not one of them for me. And so that's, that's frustrating. Um, but this is a great pick. This is just a great pick. And there's another one that came out that I want to talk about later that like kind of is in the same vein, I think of like, it's just one of those seminal movies for people of a, of a time period. Uh, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for swingers. Great pick. Thanks bud. Okay, I am going to go with my rogue pick now because it's 
it sort of fits in a little bit with what you were just talking about. So this came out on February 12th of 2016. It has a 65 on Metacritic. 2016? 2016. 65. One word. One word. I don't have one yet. Please continue. I'll give you... How about Isaac Singleton and Ed Screen? Is this um This is Deadpool. This is Deadpool. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Oh wow, Deadpool was I Oh my gosh, I don't even think I looked at like the the MC the the superhero movies. I actually I had the original Batman in my sort of initial brainstormy stuff. Oh, Deadpool. So, totally a good one word title. <laughs> so here's the thing. It, it goes against the rest of the movie. So like one of these things is not like the other 100%. However, um, I actually think it's a really important movie. And I think it has a very odd line of derivative work. Because what Deadpool allowed comic movies to become, I think has shaped the MCU and has shaped a lot of what's happening in DC. And I think even like television shows just making it about adults, like letting making it so that adults can be into this, um, I think is just different, man. Like, I also think that it's probably a little underrated, like 65%. Granted, I get all the reasons this would not be a well-reviewed movie because it was just Ryan Reynolds at his most Ryan Reynolds, which is so good. He's so good. Um, but it's, it's, it's really rewatchable. And I think it's actually really serious. Like there's, they strike on some really serious chords. They do it in a fun way. It's dirty. It's comic booky. It's super well acted. I think across the board, um, it knows what it is. Um, and I just thought like it was, I just thought it was so well done. It's really one of the more rewatchable movies I can think of. There's no part of my life that Deadpool couldn't be on where I wouldn't be like, yeah, we just leave that on. It's so good. It's a great movie. It's a great pick. I think it's, it is a semi transcending kind of movie. I will agree. I, I can't quite put my finger on the exactly the what or the why, because it's not just the breaking the fourth wall. It's not just the irreverence. It's not just the self-awareness. There's something about all of it together that just did something like more different than I think it's given a lot of credit for. And and that's that's perfectly said, because I, I, I don't think Taika Waititi gets to be him in Thor Ragnarok and do that if this movie didn't go over the way it did. And Ryan Reynolds had to, There's listen, go internet this, fight tooth and nail to make this happen the way it happened, right? Like paid right. out of pocket to have the writers on set because that's how important it was to him to get this right. And I just think that we might underappreciate how right they got this considering, like you said, the irreverence, the comedy, the jokey joke, you know, the fourth wall breaking, all that stuff. It's like really pretty brilliantly done and I think it reshaped the way that we think about, you know, these types of movies being for different audience sets. And it's just, it's so good, man. It's so good. I, I agree. It's actually, by the way, funny. I did not like the sequel. I know it's popular. Most people did. But to me, what was so disappointing about the sequel is that they did not take all of these things up another notch. They just did them again, right? It's well-written. It's got good jokes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking like. As far as it's definitely not just a phoned in sequel. It's just more that they had to, in my opinion, take the jokes further. Like they had to make fun of themselves for breaking the fourth wall in this to, to make it to, to get to that same greatness that they achieved the first time. Yeah. I think um, I hadn't thought of this, but I I'm, I'm going to run with it. I think you're right. I think Deadpool two probably was a 65. And I think the first one was probably closer to a like high seventies, maybe approaching 80. But the second one was like shtick, right? Like yeah. they had established their shtick and it was good and it, it's fun. But like that one, rewatchable wise, meh, sure, maybe. Deadpool, Deadpool's on, I'm watching it. Exactly. Totally agreed. And uh, I, I did realize that I had to peruse the MCU list and then got to Thor and I was like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. I'm going to have a little bit of funsies here. I do think this one I might have brought up once before, but again, I just didn't take quite the time to search our archives of 40-something episodes of podcasting, buddy. Yeah. We might have to do some special stuff soon. Well, we might have to. All right. 
1995, Metacritic of 76. IMDb's 123rd highest ranked movie. Oh, wow. I will give you John Voigt and McKelty Williamson. I don't know who the second person is. Uh, clearly, I know who John Voigt is. Went to college with my mom. Um, really? Yeah, true story. <laughs> uh, okay, 95? 95. McKelty Williamson, by the way, uh, was, uh, I don't remember the full name, Bubba, Bubba Gump. Oh, 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 okay. Um, it's not, that's not his name. I know that. But he was Bubba, right? He was Bubba, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if they ever actually gave him a last name. Uh, okay, uh, keep going. Five words. My five words. Oh, if you can't stand the. Heat, get out of the kitchen, so it must be heat. It's heat. Okay. All right. I did not think of this movie at all, which is pretty dumb. <laughs> I really, really like a lot of Michael Mann's work. Uh, if I if this were a Michael Mann episode, Last of the Mohicans, is, it takes my top overall. Sure. But there's something about the sprawlingness. Like, Heat is like a crime story thriller slash Los Angeles in the 1990s period piece. It, it's sort of a little of both. It does both very well. If you eat, like, you could fully take out the, oh my gosh, the Nero Pacino bit. Like, you, it doesn't matter because right. the whole cast is great. The story's fun. Like, they're real characters. It's long, but it doesn't really feel as long. I mean, all of Michael Mann's work's long. Yeah. But somehow it flies by as if I was watching like a just a quick crime thriller kind of movie. And fundamentally that shootout at the bank on the streets of LA, like there's like still haven't seen much like that, you know? Yeah, that's fair. That um, the only thing for me in this movie is I, I, I do think it's too long. <laughs> like I just do. I've watched heat in the past, like couple of years, I think. And I remember watching it with under the auspice of, can I cut any of this? And I remember thinking a few times, like, yeah, <laughs> we could, we could definitely, we could trim this up a little bit. I, I think you could. I think you could cut out um, Pacino's home life stuff pretty quickly. Yep. But I think it's let it's. I think it just reduces it at that point to um, just a crime a crime cop heist movie, which it would still be great at. And I hear you and I, and I know, cause I actually remember, I think my second watching, I felt all of that stuff was superfluous. Yeah. But after having watched it again, since that, I was like, no, no, I get what he was doing here. Like, cause, cause to really get that end conflict of Pacino and De Niro, I think you have to have built them up so much more. Yeah. But that said, you know, could you, could, you know, could, could we cut a few minutes here and there? Probably, but I still think it stands up as 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 it's certainly worthy of a two plus hour uh, running time. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and, and actually, I, yeah, you know what? I want to go back and watch it again now because I haven't watched it in a while, and I haven't watched it since we started doing this. And my opinions and I've learned a lot while doing the podcast. Um, he's a very deliberate dude, so I wouldn't be surprised right. if it's appropriate. Um, I my memory of it is at a couple times being like. Oh, <laughs> I, I mean, it's Michael Mann. He's probably got a six hour cut. Let's, you know, easy, easy, easy. A six hour yeah. cut. <laughs> All right. Where are we going next? Okay. Uh, so I am going to key off of the word deliberate and I will go to November 16th of 2012 with an 86 on the old Metacritic. This is in my pong, so I know where you're going with this. Okay, uh, I'll get just because it's fun. I'll give you the. I wanted to give you uh, David Stradarn and Jackie Earl Haley. Okay, uh, and my five words were historical performance for historical figure. Oh wait, I wonder. Wait, historical perf to uh, 2012 86. Uh huh. Oh no, we're we're def I think we might be talking about two different movies. My five words were, is your movie like Lincoln? Yeah. 
Wow. So I have a whole other movie for Pong. I'll just wait till we get there. That's also an 86 that also came out in 2012. And is one word. I mean, we got a gut shot straight jaw right here, Jer. <laughs> what? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doubling down on this one. Wait, do I have the wrong card game now? Um, you know, I've never seen Lincoln, so this one's all you. I want to hear. It's still, you talked about it with me once before. You vouched pretty heavy. And, and so it's in my, I think I put it back in some watch list somewhere. Yeah, so I've never had it in five, in the top five. I don't th- at least I don't think I did. Um, I know I've, I've brought it up at least once in in Pong. Um, this movie is incredible, and I, it suffers from Daniel Day Lewis syndrome, which is what I call when Daniel Day Lewis does something so transformative that you forget the rest of the movie is absurdly good. And so we always talk about how good he was in this. The truth is, is that Spielberg spent twelve years researching this movie, and his attention his attention to detail is like absurd. (laughs) Like every frame in this movie is so, so picture perfect. Um, I would argue that I think it's probably one of the like loosely based historical depictions of all time. Only a couple movies come to mind that I think rival it. Um, Sorry, did you say loosely based? Like it's not adherence to reality? It is. So I, I'm saying loosely based only because there's only so much that we know. I mean, obviously they had to make a lot of the story up. Like the Newton boys is another great example, right? JFK, like all those movies happened after this. So we have a much more like solid documentation versus like the King speech. And then this, which goes back hundreds of years, it's, it's going to be loosely based. It's going to be loosely based on our understanding of it. Um, but this movie was nominated for 12 Oscars, um, which I found out there's only 53 total movies that have more than 10. There's only 13 movies that have more than this one. And I just think the entire thing was brilliant. Like, I think, honestly, you could probably make the, an argument for this being some of Spielberg's best total work, uh, which is a big statement because he has 53 directing credits and basically none of them, with like two exceptions, are bad. And... I still think this one really might kind of hold up because it transports you into a time and place in a almost shockingly realistic way. And it's just gorgeous. Would you say this works as a, uh, as a rowing movie? Can I, can I do this half hour at a time or is it going distract, to dis- distract from the whole flow? No, I think this one's fine because you know how it ends. So like the, you know, like it's, they didn't do any like weird once upon a time in Hollywood stuff like this, this ends the way you think it does. <laughs> uh, so you could definitely it. take it in in chunks and I think it would be, it's just a really, this is a weird, like, I'm, I don't know if I sound pretentious or dumb, but it doesn't matter. For as dark as this movie was shot, like physically, it's like a dark film. It is stunning. It's beautiful. Like there's like there's the camera work in this, like the way the visuals here are so strong and it's not a bright, sunny, angly, oh my God, that's gorgeous movie. It's like, this is a sad, depressing, dark film. And yet still somehow is really visually appealing. And it's I, that's why I think it's some of his best work. Like it's really impressive. All right, I'm in. I'll check it out. There you go. It's funny because when you said Jackie or Earl Haley, I was like, I don't think he's in the movie I'm talking about, but I'll roll with it for a second. And then I was like, no, no, he's not. <laughs> I, it's funny. I just finished rewatching uh, The Watchmen, the, the, the Snyder, another Snyder movie. Also, by the way, just called Watchmen. And I, it, it could have been on this list. Could it? Well, if you wanted it to. Yeah, it's one, it's one word. Well, yeah, I mean, it technically fits, <laughs> but I just watched it. I'm just saying. <laughs> Although it was better, it was definitely better than I remember it being. But funny, having just watched the Cider Cut a week ago, seeing these two sort of back to back with Casablanca in the middle. And now, by the way, I'm watching Public Enemy after this. Uh, you can see a lot of it, it became really obvious some of the stuff Snyder likes to do. I'm like, sure. Even more so. I'm sure. And, and there's some gorgeous work in it. Like there's truly, he, he really has an eye. Um, and it was the Jackie Early, Earl Haley re- revival, which I like to, right. like to see. All right. I will go to, hmm. I'll, I'll go the most current movie on my list from 2001. Okay. With a Metacritic of 69. Surprised me, IMDb's 115th of all time. Wow. 
Wow. So that's a weird, yeah, it's kind of it, like considering Heat, which is like nerd fan favorite, is at 123 and has a Metacritic at 76. Like, this just seems weird. I'm going to give you the cast. So I don't know if it's going to help you. Um, Matthew Kasovitz and Jamel Debouze. Let me know if that helped you at all. Yeah, huge help. Thanks. Uh, narrating a French girl's escapades. Emile? Amelie. Amelie? Yeah. yeah, sorry. I've, so I've never seen this. This is a fun one. I, I would put this up on like date, ho- like quarantine date night, home watch a movie for sure. Okay. For sure. It's super cute. I love the music. Absolutely love the music. Uh, in fact, it's the same... The musician, like his name's Jan Tiersen, and I've listened to a bunch of his stuff on Spotify now, and he's done a few other soundtracks. There's no question, my like this is his bong kind of <laughs> kind of soundtrack. It's very French, yet it's very fantastical. I, the music really helps make this movie, which which is part of why I'm recommending it to you so much. Is that the like this is an at home or this is a good environment experience kind of movie to be consuming. Okay. I won't go too far into the storyline, but basically the, the, if I, if I had said Audrey tattoo, that wouldn't have helped you at all. Right. Nope. Right. Uh, she plays this character, Amelie, who goes on these just weird little romps and the storytelling. It's, it's like almost if Wes Anderson made a French movie. Actually, this could have easily been a Wes Anderson movie. I mean, you you had me at French, and then you really got me at Wes Anderson. I like both those things. So, all right, Amelie, Wes Anderson directs a French movie, <laughs> and, and it's actually it's funny. It's got a lot of narration, which uh, which which is not always the best way to do storytelling. Here, they lean into it so heavily that they make it the the interesting part of how the story is told. Um, so yeah, watch it. Super cute. I'm in. I'm in. It's, this is one of those movies where I I know I'm gonna like it. I've seen the cover art for it a billion times and I've heard a lot about the soundtrack and it just never, it just never happened. And I don't have a good reason why. So yeah, I'll put this on the list. I'll put this towards the top of the list actually. Nice. Uh, Okay. So we got two left. Let's do this one. I cannot believe I've never brought this movie up before. January 21st, 2005 with a 94 on Metacritic. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, bringing some heat. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not heat. It's not heat. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in it? Uh, very difficult cast, but I'll give you Virginia Madsen and Sandra O. Oh. 2005. Yep. Hmm. I know both of them. I'm trying to I'm trying to, to hone in on Sandra O oh, because she she's done a lot more TV work than movie work. That's true. Is this is is there any chance this is like a Judd Apatow movie? It is not. Okay, right, because you said you're all these are all like great movies. Yeah. All right, give me your five words, please. Much to whine about. Much. Is this sideways? This is sideways. Oh yes, Sandra O oh was in Sideways. Yep. And uh, oh, Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Yeah, he's great in this. This is a fun pick, buddy. So if, if like, if somebody was to say to me, what's the best, give, give me your top five best movies that have come out that you've seen as an adult. And it was, and like, they're like, rip all of your personal preference for the movie and film stuff, all your stuff out. Just what's the best movies that you've seen? I think this one's probably on the list. Um, it's, it's brilliant, man. Like Giamatti was so good in this. Thomas Hayden Church was so good in this. Um, the thing that I think is most impressive about this is like the characters are all like super gross, but also very deserving of love, like deep, deep character flaw that like every human will, I absolutely identify with like universal themes throughout. I think the acting is, is huge, potentially like a top five complete cast acting of all time. Cause nobody misses. Now, part of the reason is because there's very few people in it. So they really just needed the the people, the stars to shine, but they really, really, really did. Um, I also love the way that Payne shot this movie. It's like a really weirdly beautiful movie. Um, there's He does a lot of stuff with height. 
in in this where he really puts you in scenes and you wind up being below or above things a lot as opposed to just being that sort of standard eye level that really sort of frames stuff in a very interesting way, specifically about the emotion happening in the scene at the same time. Um, I've seen this movie a lot, which is weird because it's not particularly rewatchable because all of them are pretty repugnant. And I still am, am always amazed at just how like enraptured in all of the nonsense you become and how it, I don't know. I just really respect the hell out of this movie. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny you say that. Cause while you were talking, I was, th- I was thinking for a second, like I don't like this movie, but I respect it. I, I like, I remember watching it. I have a hard time with movies where I can't get into the characters. Like right. when, when, when you have, generally fly unless it's like a sitcom like an always sunny where they're just all terrible right <laughs> you know um but in the movie i i i'm like it's part of why i didn't like um the not there will be blood what's the anton churg uh the cohen brothers one from a couple of years no country for old men no country for old men yeah yeah it's part of why i didn't like that one too it's just i've had a hard time finding that i just didn't really like the protagonist at all and just kind of what happened to them didn't like that either. So this movie hit that same level for me, but I definitely respected it the whole way through. I thought everybody did a brilliant job, but you're right. It's like, it's like a zero rewatchable for me, like actual zero. Yeah. I I believe that. I mean, I, the, like I said, I was thinking about this one and I was like, yeah, I don't really love watching it though. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Like the few times that I have, I really like, it's just masterful. Like it's, it's a masterfully done movie. Um, which is how I know it's good that I've watched it more than once because it, it's the kind of movie that I think when they made, they're like, no one will ever watch this twice. And mm. and yet it's so well done that you kind you kind of, you kind of do. Um, and it won like every, I think it was the, the first film to ever win the best screenplay for all five of the major critic groups. Like that's how good this was. Oh, really? So good. Yeah. That's cool. Well then I'm going to go with, <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go here first. 1986. Okay. Metacritic of 84. Ooh. IMDb 74th of all time. Sure. On a, on quite a streak with these. I, again, one of these the cast is a possible complete giveaway. We'll hopefully not. Bill Paxton and Paul Reiser. Okay, I mean, obviously, I know who both of them are, and like them both quite a bit. Uh, what year did you say? 84? 86? 86. Huh. Uh, I have no idea. Another another one of those big movie years. So, <laughs> I like this five words a lot. I, I had a little bit more fun than I usually am able to. For some reason, these movies just worked for it. Your clues, sir. Lots more than the first. Aliens. Correct. Okay. <laughs> now, I'm not going to go down to saying that this is a better movie than the original because it's not. Okay. Uh, it is a very different movie than the original. Much the way uh, Terminator and then T2, there was another pattern, Alien and Aliens, where you have effectively a horror sci-fi movie that becomes an action sci-fi sequel. Yep. And... Let me tell you, 13 or 14-year-old Jeremy could not get enough of whether it's Ripley in the mecha suit, whatever that thing's called. (laughs) Bishop doing – do you remember the scene where Bishop's doing the knife-stabbing thing between the guy's fingers? Yeah. Well, Baby JT has no idea, but, like, that became a thing for, like, a good year when people, like, in (laughs) class would get a pencil and try to do the same thing. And you'd obviously stab yourself a few too many times. Sure. But this was like shoot him up in space, and then there's and the girl and like every little bit of these dynamics works so well. I don't think I think that maybe this is why it's got such a strong Metacritic score. I don't think we give enough credit for how far they took space sci-fi action from the Star Wars era to that. Like this is a year after Return of the Jedi, and a radically different sci-fi action movie. Wow. So, I'm sorry, it's not a year. It's three years after. I don't know what I was thinking. It's three years after Jedi. But even so, like, the special effects hadn't gone that much further. But the convincingness and the reality, I haven't probably watched this since the mid-90s. I'm curious how the special effects hold up. I got to assume fairly well because they do such a good job at not showing you 
stuff you shouldn't be like they, they hide things right when the face huggers skirting around the lab you just sort of see a little indiscriminate blob high, like crash into a wall somewhere or something yeah that's actually really interesting because thinking about these two movies i wouldn't put them three years apart i'd put them like closer to eight or ten and i no, sorry you're right i i, I missed that so revert re- Return of the Jedi was 83. That's what I was comparing it to from a special effects perspective. But the original Alien was 79. So seven years. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm talking about Star Wars. Like, I think if you think think about, like, the chasm of of how they felt, like, it doesn't feel like it's only three years removed from the same technology. It feels like it's way more advanced than that. And I think you're right. I also have not seen this movie in a long time. But my memory of it is um, them using suspense in lieu of of CGI uh, in, in lieu of special effects. Whereas in star Wars, it was more like directly in your face. And that I, in my, in my memory makes me think that they had better effects. <laughs> right. Like all I remember, like all I'm thinking right now is like Vasquez and Michael Bean's character huddled up in one of the little corners. Like they're, they're in it together to the end. Like, and you, and they're watching that like alien detector radar machine. Sure. Clearly not a thing. Right. Uh, <laughs> But like the way that things like beeping and beeping and beeping, this would probably hit up pretty well also as if you hadn't seen it in theaters like per last week would have been worth the theater experience because I remember the intensity of those kind of sequences. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Oh, this is a great pick. This is a great pick. Take us. Take us number five. Okay. My last one. Um, this one is probably my favorite pick because it gets to be both a sort of like personal emotional one and gets to be a hell of a movie. Uh, December 25th, 2007, with an 81 on Metacritic. Hmm. 2007, you say? I do. Alrighty. I need some more information, please. Um, great cast. Small cast. So might might give it away. But let's do Jason Bateman and J.K. Simmons. Is this dodgeball? No. <laughs> well, Bateman was the uh, was like the the Ocho guy. He was Bateman and Simmons in 07? Yeah, with an eighty one on Metacritic, which takes dodgeball off the table. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to block that out for a second there, <laughs> and then for a, for a hot minute, I thought you might have been going to Moon and trying to be tricky about it, but I don't think either of them are the voice. They're not. They're not the voices. Like Kevin Spacey is the voice, right? So Bateman and J.K. Simmons. All right, what's your five words? Surprise! Look what we made. Is this the? Is this that weird switcheroo movie with Jennifer Aniston? No, but that's fun. Because there's no way that's got an eighty-one. No, it doesn't. But it's a good movie. Surprise! Look what we made. Surprise! Look. What we made. <laughs> mm. I feel like I should know this because I've, I've seen a lot of Jason Bateman's movies. All right. What you got? Okay. So this is Juno. Oh, Juno. Didn't see it. Really? Yeah. You know, what happened was I, I know this. I know this exactly why is I was supposed to go see it with my wife. Something came up, maybe a work thing, whatever. She ended up seeing it solo and then I sort of didn't, it didn't hit my like movies I want to watch alone list. Um, I I might actually tell you that that's the wrong opinion to have because this this movie is oh. really good. Sorry, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying I think that's what happened. I think that's what happened back in the day. And then like you know, ten years go by, and there's just a hundred other movies to watch. And oh yeah, totally. So so here's the thing with Juno, right? So first of all, Elliot Page and Michael Sarah were both amazing in this movie. A, a fun little nerd note for me is that Elliot Page actually told the creators of Juno that they thought that their character would listen to Kimya Dawson and the Moldy Peaches, and they wound up on the soundtrack. And the soundtrack from Juno is prime like really really good um why it's actually on this list though acting is superb i i absolutely love this movie and i never got to talk about it before so i wanted to use it here it just has never i've never had the opportunity we, we didn't do a category that really did this because it's not like a guy cry movie it's, it's just a really good sort of like coming of age rom com real life situation thing 
Um, but what I actually think is I think if you were a teenager in the mid 2000s, which I was, I think when you go back and, and watch this movie again, it will wind up being the one that feels most like what life was really like for you. Hmm. Like it is a really beautiful time capsule of a period of time because it just approached the world the way the world was. And it, it did nerdy stuff and heartwarming stuff, but it was like really brutally honest. And it was really sort of reflective of, I, I think how a lot of us felt as teenagers in the mid two thousands. And I don't know that there's a movie that did it better because this one tackled a real, real thing um, in a very real and honest way. It actually tackled like a couple real big things. And it was just so really, it was just really, really good. Um, Jason Reitman did some really interesting stuff in the way he filmed it. Um, and I don't want to say any more because I actually really want you to see this. This is the, okay, if, I'm, if I am correct though, this is an accidental preg- teen pregnancy. Yep. So I'm going to assume Sarah's the boyfriend? Uh, correct. And are Jason Bateman and and J.K. Simmons like each of their dads or something? No. So uh, or teachers. Ba- so Jason Bateman and Jennifer Garner are a couple who are interested in adopting this child, and ah. Jason J.K. Simmons and Alice and Janney are uh, Elliot Page's parents. Okay, and they are brilliant by the way absolutely brilliant simmons is on record saying that he liked the script so much that he said he would be the teacher who had no lines just to be in the movie <laughs> wow and i, I actually i'm a big allison Janney fan did, did you see uh the i tanya i have not yet no but i really want to she's i just love her dude she's, she's, she's cj from the west wing there's nothing she can do is wrong uh one really uh, yes. quick fun thing about this though so this thing uh got nominated for Best Picture, which is crazy because it was up against Michael Clayton, which did, had a $25 million budget and grossed over $50 million. Atonement, which had a $30 million budget and grossed over $51 million. No Country for Old Men, which had a $25 million budget and grossed $74 million. There Will Be Blood, which had a $25 million budget and grossed $40 million. And then Juno, which had a $7.5 million budget. Guess what it grossed? Based on you set all that setup, I'll go with uh, one ten. One forty three. Nice, <laughs> nice. And another fun little fact: Jennifer Garner took a pay cut and took points on the movie just to do it, and that wound up working out very well for her. It's her biggest payday she's ever had. Good for you, Jennifer Garner. Good well done. for you. All right. Nineteen ninety eight. Metacritic of eighty six. Uh, again, I'm troubled that the cast might be a lot of giveaways, but I'll do my best with Connie Nielsen. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was the the she was Wonder Woman's mom in Wonder Woman. Uh, I don't remember. I remember the character name. The the Queen of the Amazons. Got it. Yeah, she was a lot bigger, like in the '80s. I think she was on soap operas or something. I just remember her as an '80s actress. Okay. And then uh, Brian Cox. Oh, love Brian Cox. Uh, this doesn't help me at all. Wait, 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 wait. No, wait, wait, wait. What year did you say this was? 98. It's a 98, but it's like an 80-something, right? It's uh, 86. Ooh. 98, 86. I don't know. I'll have to go five words. You're going to be a little disappointed, I think, already. But we'll go with, do not confuse with Mount. Do not confuse with Mount. Oh, Rushmore. Oh, Rushmore. That's the one. Yeah. It's in my pong. This is good. <laughs> is that okay? Uh, it's it's. I know I've talked about Bottle Rocket recently. Uh, Rushmore is hands down my my Wes Anderson pick. Yeah, Jason Schwartzman. You know, I know he's done stuff since, but like this is his role. He's perfect in it. It's a pretty decently quotable movie. The cast is is phenomenal. Amazing. Um, one of the you got a Wilson in there. There's always a good, there's always a Wilson. Has, has Wes made any movies without one of the two of them? Um, I think I don't remember if Moonrise Kingdom is. I, I don't think there's a Wilson in Moonrise Kingdom. Oh no, I think there is. Uh, that's a good question. And yeah, I love this story. I love this kid who's crazy hyperactive, but doesn't really know who he is or what he wants or anything. It is obviously your coming of age journey. Bill Murray's 
epically good. I, I would argue that this and Lost in Translation were the two movies that transcended Bill Murray from like your Stripes, Ghostbusters, all the way to Groundhog Day into Bill Murray, this like who's basically now just a meme. Um, <laughs> I don't mean just uh, by a long shot, of course, because I love it. But there's something about Rushmore and the, the chemistry of the cast, the story itself, the simplicity of it. And again, something you tend to hit on more than I do, but the uh, the soundtrack. This movie is where I discovered The Wind by Cat Stevens, mm. oh. which is criminal that it took this movie for me to discover such a song. But I did. And that movie's that song's actually been sort of in my profound, like, uh, it's in, a, it's in a couple of playlists that I, that, I, that I go to a lot. So, anyhow, I think Rushmore is brilliantly done. I, I, you know, I love all of the Wes Anderson stuff, but if I never got to see another one and that was the one I had to pick, that's my pick. Yeah, I have nothing to add. That's beautifully said. It's a great pick. Thanks, man. I'm like now looking at my list and going, which one could I have gotten rid of? And I, I think because th- this, just so you know, this was the contender. It was th- this and oh, Far- really? this and Fargo were the two where I was like, it's got to be one of these two movies, probably. And I think I went Fargo because I think I've talked about Rushmore before, just because I like Wes Anderson so much that I have him and PTA. I have um, a love a love affair with. So uh, that means that we are going into Pong, uh, which I go first this week. Yeah, you sure do. All right, cool. Remember how you told me that not that long ago, and I already forgot. That's cool, JT. Let's go. Couple times even. <laughs> Let's go. Nineteen ninety four. With a 78, got gum on my seat. 94? 94. I thought originally that was a Ferris Bueller reference. Those are gummy bears. <laughs> uh, 94, got gum on my seat. I, I know. I, I uh, This is bothering me, but I'm, I'm for the interest of time, what you got? This was the first movie that came to mind. Speed. Oh, yes. Gum. Right? That's how she delivers it. Gum. Yeah. All right. This is where I buried some really good movies. (laughs) So, 1976, Metacritic 70, IMDb's 232nd of all time, and AFI's 57th of all time. Jeez. Uh, Also makes a great road. Also makes a great road. I have no idea. Rocky. Oh, God. <laughs> You're so proud of that. <laughs> You're so proud of those five words right now. Oh, I wish you could see his smug face. <laughs> He's so happy. <laughs> it's it's like I managed to get a real dad joke into this whole thing. Oh, that was really silly and fun. Good for you. Um, all right. This one was an emotional pick. 2007 with a 76 on Metacritic. Enjoy your remaining years. <laughs> Uh, is this the Jack Nicholson one? No, as good as it gets. <laughs> Too many words. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> Stupid. Uh, what is it? Uh, this is super bad. Oh, yeah. I can't. That that's definitely a wheel a generational sure. thingy. Uh, Twenty twelve with a Metacritic score of eighty six. Good ship to get fleece. Good ship to get fleece? Mm-hmm. I have no idea what you're talking about. The Argo? Oh, Argo. Or just Argo. Yeah. Argo, yeah. Oh, Argo didn't even didn't even dawn on me. That's a really, really, really good movie. <laughs> it you know, it's one of these, it's a phenomenal movie. I think I probably it's like a nine or a ten out of ten for me. But it's also it sort of also comes back like I probably won't rewatch it again. It's just it's just great, but that's enough, you know. Yeah, I saw Argo once and went, "That was brilliant." I'll never watch that again. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. very very well done though. It's a, it's a great pick, and I totally missed it. Uh, okay, this is the one that I said I was going to reference. Nineteen ninety four with a seventy on Metacritic. Not supposed to be here. Clerks. Yeah. It's my day off. Not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, 79, Metacritic 89, IMDb's 52nd, and the five words are more horrific than the sequel. Jaws. Alien. Alien, okay. <laughs> yeah. I wanted both. 
I want unquestionably Jaws is more deserving, but it's my list this week, so I'm doing. I put put an alien. You could do whatever you want. Uh, right. Let's do. Oh, I have so I dude. I have so many movies. <laughs> uh, let's do 1995 with a 65. percent This is the second movie that came to my mind. Uh, what's in the box? Oh, seven. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one. It's a good movie. 1980. Metacritic of 78. Sorry, I don't speak jive. This is going to break my heart because I should know this, but it's not coming to my mind at all. Airplane. Airplane. Sure. Uh, Okay. 1995 with a 54. Ham, no burger. Friday. Friday. (laughs) So I will officially say I got one out of five of my picks for you. You thought a Friday would be in my top five? I did. It's a reason. If I was doing a personal list, Friday would have been my top five. <laughs> okay, I, I have a bit after this. So let me. Here's my last pong. It's 1950. No Metacritic, so it's a 7.9 average IMDb. So where's that rabbit? 1950. No Metacritic. I, I mean, I have no. I mean, Ben Hur. It's just an old movie. I can't even. <laughs> I have no idea. It's Harvey, where there's an invisible rabbit. Got it. Okay. Okay. So JT, we I have two things. So I got to do the Twitter thing in a second, but here's what I wrote down. Okay. Had it not been for this podcast, the following would have made JT's ultimate top five, including a Shawshank. Okay. Like your personal list. Okay. So you're just going to give me back the honest answer how well I did. Sure. And I, I had ruled out animation per, per, per our pitter patter. Uh, I would say you Shawshanked Elf. <laughs> Correct? Uh, maybe. You think I like Elf more than I like Elf in the, in the grand scheme of things. But Elf is maybe. definitely a consideration set for sure. Then the rest of the top five, and this was the one that I wasn't sure was either Elf or PCU. PCU for sure. Uh, Rudy. Rudy's on my extended Pong list. Uh, Friday. Yeah, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Memento. Not, I don't like that movie as much as, uh, no. Okay. And then Whiplash was the fifth. So Whiplash, I, yeah, Whiplash is in contention for sure. I left it off because I thought you'd have it. I didn't even put it in Pong because I assumed that you would either Shawshank it or have to include it, even though we've both kind of lamented about how much we love that movie. Well, because I had also made my five ultimate, like, thing, which were uh, Friday, Rudy, and then Gandhi, Amadeus, and Hoosiers. Right. But so- I feel like... Amadeus and Hoosiers, I was like, I'm going to leave these off because if anybody will get them, Jeremy will get it. <laughs> so uh, now we've introduced a thing where we're, we're asking our Twitter friends some stuff they like. So here are five of the picks I, I pulled out of. I think these are actually the first five to reply to the tweet. Nice. So thank you very much, Twitter friends. And at BlastZonePod has Zodiac, which I've never seen. Me neither. Hmm. Maybe mm. we should watch it. Probably. At Philip Marinello had heat like I did, but then also had collateral. Oh, that's the uh, Jamie Foxx and uh, Tom Cruise one. That's the one? That was a good movie. At It Goes Down in the PM had a great pick that we both either don't love enough or forgot about, which was Goodfellas. Yeah, I thought about Goodfellas and Casino were both on my like fringy list. Yeah, I had Scarface in that same fringy space. Yep. Our buddy at Cinema Sins, last week's guest at J. Scott N, had Parasite. Oh, no. That's just a miss. Oh, no. See, it's not, <laughs> see, it's not for me because I still haven't seen it. So yeah, I was very yeah. comfortable. <laughs> and then uh, at Mr. Will 95, Babe. Oh, that'll do, pig. That'll do. Also never saw it. Um, that's a shame because that's like a really brilliant movie that you should see. Plus, it's by that Fury Road guy, so I'm sure I'll like it. You'll probably like it. And funny, I almost used a Babe quote for Zombieland, which was in my extended Pong list, because they have a there's a great Woody Harrelson quote where he does the the whole, I'm not really good at goodbyes and stuff, so that'll do, pig. <laughs> Very nice. Well, JT, do you, have, uh, do you have something good for us to talk about this coming week, buddy? Yeah, so I do. Uh, so next week, I want us to do the top five movies with – Two low Metacritic scores for how good they are. So we're, we're going to lovingly refer to this as the Wall Street episode. 
Well, so, <laughs> this is very fun. You've, you've picked up on this thing. Like we keep talking about that. I've noticed like I can't get away from it now. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm going to nerd out. I'm just telling you. Well, here's the thing. We keep doing this. And when we have Pond, there's always at least two movies where we go unreasonably low, unreasonably low. And so I was like, you know what? This is like a perfect opportunity. We've done it a lot recently. Um, and it was actually having Jeremy on last week was was fun because he mentioned a couple where it was like, oh, those are really low for no reason. And I was like, yeah, we should just we should talk about that. So that's what we're going to do next week. That's what we're going to do. That's going to be a lot of fun. I, I, I'm pretty confident the spreadsheet's coming back, buddy. Oh, I can't imagine it does it next week. I'll be sorely disappointed if it does not. The same way that we would be sorely disappointed if you don't follow us on the Twitters, on the Instagrams, or don't. We actually don't care. We're just happy you're here. Thanks for joining the Lo-Fi Top Five. Thank you.